We know at the heart of every healthy church, at the very centre of a healthy church, is the gospel. Um, at times as believers, we, we, we may have had a, a thought or um, just a, a slight moment in our mind where we think, well, we've accepted the gospel, we understand the gospel, let's move on to other things. The gospel may be important, but actually I want to understand things a bit more, other things. But the gospel is central for the non-believer and for the believer. For the believer, it reminds us of what Christ has done. It reminds us to continue and to understand the great depths of what the gospel gives us. And in Proverbs 2, what we have here is a, a wonderful picture, a wonderful foreshadowing of the gospel. So whether we are in Christ or not, what we read and see here in Proverbs 2 is for everyone. Because it is a really worrisome thing if we fall into moments of, of thinking that actually the gospel is not necessary for those that believe. We, we love details and we love other things more than the gospel. If the gospel doesn't interest us, then there is a thing in us that is, is really worrisome. There's something that has been planted if we are distracted from the wonderful thing that we see in the gospel, which is Jesus Christ. Because the gospel speaks of what Christ has done, who he is and why he has come. And there's no more wonderful thing in this world than to hear about Jesus Christ, especially if we are not saved. But it could be argued that even more so when we are saved, so we can really remember and understand what he has done. And what we see here in Proverbs 2 is Solomon proclaiming the gospel to his son. He's saying to his son, look, salvation is of the Lord. And he also shows the blessings that come when you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, when when God has done a work in you. And we know in um, chapter 1, Solomon laid out everything that was was going on, similar to what we have here. He was speaking about the fear of the Lord, listening to his instructions. He was laying down the law there for his son in chapter 1. And in verse 1, chapter, in the second chapter, he starts off in a similar way. He says, my son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. So here, Solomon is starting with law. He's saying, look, listen to my words. Receive my commandments. We understand these things that I have asked of you. Solomon is saying, look, store these things up inside of you. Keep hold of them. Don't let them just be heard and then forget them. Grasp hold of them. And we know he did this in the first chapter. He was saying, look, you need to understand these things. Do what I ask of you. Here are my commandments to keep you safe. Remember it and understand it. He was saying in the first chapter, don't walk in the ways of the wicked. And he repeats it again here. He's saying, look, you have to live a righteous life. You have to keep God's commandments. Keep pure. Don't fall into temptation. Be holy and blameless. 
And again, he's reminding his son of it all here. Receive my words and hide my commandments within you. And when we read this and we see this, and I'm sure Solomon's son may have done the same if the Lord was working in him. When we look at what is asked of us here in, in Proverbs 1 and again, what Solomon is reminding us of in Proverbs 2, to receive his words and to hide his commandments is to keep them. And I think we can all safely say when we look at this, we cry out, we cannot. There is nothing here that we have done perfectly. If we just briefly look into Proverbs 1, when he says the ways of the wicked, they're greedy for gain. We have been greedy for gain. We have waited um, for others' blood when we have hated somebody. We are guilty of murder when we have hated. We are guilty of the things that we see in Proverbs 1. So already we are behind. We have not kept the commandments that we have just read. And this is the whole point of why Solomon is writing. Solomon is saying to his son, keep these commandments. His son will be thinking, I can't. And that is the point of what Solomon is doing here when he says, receive my words and hide my commandments with thee. He's saying, look, hide them within thee, keep them, honour them, be righteous. He's reminding his son that he cannot keep the law perfectly. He's reminding him that he, in his breaking of these commandments, has offended the one true God, the creator of heaven and earth. He's offended and broken the laws of a right, the righteous God. The whole of Solomon's point here isn't, here is the law, do it. He's commanding this, knowing full well that it is not possible. He's pointing his son to the law and showing him that he cannot keep it. And we see this even more so when we look into verses 2 to 4. When he says in the first verse, receive my words and hide my commandments, he goes on to this, to say this. So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures. So what he's saying here, he's saying, look, keep my commandments. He's showing the commandments and he's pushing his son to realise that he can't keep them. Because look what he says. He's hoping that these commandments will push his son to incline his ear unto wisdom, to listen to wisdom, to listen for it and to apply his heart to understanding. He wants his whole being to understand the truths of scripture, what these commandments are demanding for him. He's wanting his son to be willing to listen, to willing to hear the truth. And this is for us before we have come to faith. When people speak of the law to us, it's pushing us to look for wisdom, to understanding, to know what this means for us. He's wanting his son to search for truth. And then he goes further, doesn't he? He wants his son not just to incline his ear and to apply his heart to understanding, to search for these things. He wants his son to cry out after knowledge and lift up his voice for understanding. This here is a sign of desperation, a crying out, a lifting up of his voice. He's wanting his son to desire understanding and knowledge. He wants his son to search 
for these things. What we have here is a picture almost of a beggar. When you go through the streets of a third world country where they literally have nothing, no home, no food, no money, nothing at all. And you see these people crying out for food, begging for nourishment. This is the position that Solomon wants his son to be in. He wants his son to be crying out for wisdom, for understanding. And then Solomon moves on, doesn't he, in verse 5. He says, oh, sorry, verse 4, he says, I want you to seek for her. This is wisdom, because in Proverbs 1, Solomon pictures wisdom as a woman. He's saying, look, seek for this wisdom. Thou seekest her as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasure. So wisdom is personified here, and wisdom really is actually pointing towards Jesus Christ is saying, seek for this wisdom, because we know Jesus is the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 24, we, Christ is described as the wisdom of God. Solomon is here, is pushing him towards the Lord. He's saying, seek, search, as if you would, for treasure. And again, we have to be careful with these verses. We may look at this and think... Solomon is pointing his son towards one of works. But we know that is impossible for salvation. What Solomon is doing here is designed for his son to respond like this in in relation to the law. He's heard the law, he's heard the commands, knows he can't keep it. And he wants his son to be doing these things. He wants his son to incline his ear, to apply his heart, to cry out, to lift up his voice, to seek and to search for salvation. He's wanting his son to do these things and to to cry out to God. And it's a wonderful picture because if you look again at what he's asked of his son, to incline his ear, to apply his heart, to cry cry out with his voice, to seek and to search with his eyes. This is a picture of somebody desperate for salvation who with every aspect of themselves is crying out for salvation. And again, I think this is what can be missed when people um, proclaim or attempt to proclaim the gospel. They don't get people to a position of where they see their absolute, the essential need of a saviour and they're crying out with everything. What you can get is somebody proclaiming part of the gospel, a small truth and saying to people, come to Christ. But they're not coming in this desperate need because they realise they they need a saviour. They come with a mind of, oh, this will improve my life. If I follow God, only good things will happen. They don't see Christ as one of salvation. They are not crying out with every part of their body, of their soul, of their mind. There's not anything of a helpless desperation. It's just, this will benefit me. But Solomon here is trying to make it clear to his son he has to be crying out to the Lord because he needs a saviour. I think some of the passages that we see summarise this perfectly. If you just want to, we, we read Acts 2, 34, 38, where um, Peter proclaimed the law and said, look, you have killed, you have crucified the saviour. And they were cut to the, their heart and they cried out, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe in Jesus Christ, be baptised, turn to Jesus. He, he, he spoke of these things to them. 
But now I just want you to turn to Acts chapter 16 with me, verses uh, from verse 25. So just turn to Acts chapter 16. We're just going to read from verses 25 to 31. So Paul here and Silas have been arrested. They're in prison. And this is, this is where, where we find them right now. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakening out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. So again, here we have the jailer in absolute fear because he has seen the power of God. He knows that Paul and Silas, who they follow, they've been singing hymns. They've been praising the Lord. He, he will have heard the gospel here and he now understands he's seen the power of God and he comes trembling and he says, what must I do? And it's a simple belief on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that belief comes from a faith, the gift that is given to us by God. Now just turn with me to um, Acts chapter 22. We see a similar picture there. We're going to read from verse 9 to 16. Here we have Paul giving his testimony about how he came to faith. And they that were with me saw indeed the light and were afraid, but they heard not the voice of him that spake to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all the things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one, Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked upon, up upon him, and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of all that thou hast seen and heard. And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So these passages in Acts, what was the theme there? A people brought to their knees before God, understanding of their depravity, their sin. And what, what were the questions they asked? What must I do? Well, the truth is there is nothing they can do, for it is by faith we are saved. And that faith is a gift from God. It is faith that brings us to Christ. So all they had to do with that faith, that was a gift was call on the name of the Lord. And this is what Solomon is trying to push his son towards. He's given him the commandments, knowing full well he can't keep them. 
And he's saying, look, son, cry out, cry out to the Lord for wisdom, for understanding, for salvation. So Solomon ultimately here is revealing God's character. He's saying, prepare yourself, cry out. And we know in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So that is the way of salvation. To understand, first and foremost, we are in need of a saviour. There is nothing of us that justifies us before God. It is only faith in Jesus Christ. And again, this is what Solomon is pointing his son towards. We see in verse 5. Then shall thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So he's saying here, cry out, incline your ear, seek understanding, seek wisdom, do all these things, cry, call out to God and you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You will find salvation. It's all there in the first few verses. It's all about submission, all about going to the Lord, knowing that there is nothing in and of us that will save ourselves. And how sweet must that that have been to read as Solomon's son, to understand that when we cry out, when we call upon the name of the Lord of salvation, we will be served, uh, we will be saved. And again, there is nothing that compares in this world. We think when we have moments where we are thirsting, we are desperate for that drop of water and we take that first sip, or when we are hungry and we have that first bite, or when we are beyond exhaustion, And the time comes for us to lie down. How wonderful are those moments? But these are nothing in comparison to what we see when we are saved, when we come to the knowledge that we have found salvation in Jesus Christ. And it is all of him and none of us. When we realise that the sin that separated us has been washed away, that we are now clothed in the righteousness of Christ, that we are no longer an enemy, but we are justified by faith. That this faith and this trust in Christ, there will be no separation. We cannot lose that set, that salvation. We are secure and safe in Christ. There is no moment in life sweeter than this realization. Now, if Solomon had stopped there, would that have been enough for salvation? Yes, because he's, he's given his son the gospel. He's given his son a view of his, the law that is broken and the way of salvation. But he goes on further. He reveals the full extent of the gospel. Because we know when these people uh, in Acts, when they said, what must I do to be saved? Believe in Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. But there is more to the gospel than Christ being crucified and dying for, for our sins There are further blessings on from that. What we need for salvation is an understanding of Christ and him crucified. But when we fully grasp the blessings from this, it just increases our love for Christ even more. And Solomon does this here, saying, look, these are the blessings when you come to understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Let's just read verses six to nine. The Lord giveth wisdom, and out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment, and preserveth the way of his saints. 
Then shall thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. So the Lord here, what does he do? When we are saved and we trust in him, he blesses us with wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He blesses us with an understanding of his word. When we pick up the scriptures and read it, when we are saved, he has blessed us with the wisdom to understand these things. Not completely. It will take eternity for us to understand the things of of what we read fully in, in scripture. But he blesses us with the wisdom to, to grasp these things and to, to understand what he has spoken to us through his word. That is a blessing of being saved. That is a blessing of of the gospel. What else are we blessed with? Well, he lays up sound wisdom for the righteous. Again, he blesses us with wisdom. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He's a buckler. That is, he is a shield. He protects us. And when it says those that walk uprightly, we only walk uprightly because of what Christ has done. We are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But he is our shield. That means our salvation is set and protected. He will not let us fall away from the faith. We will never depart from the faith. This is perseverance of the saints. This is what we are seeing here. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the ways of his saints. What Solomon is saying here is when you are with the Lord, when you are the Lord, he will lead you, he will guide you. I think this is perfectly summed up in Isaiah 40 verse 11. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. In Christ, we are saved from our sins. We are no longer under the wrath of God. But we are also fed and gathered and held securely in Christ. We are led by a loving Saviour. This is all in the Gospel. This is all the beauty of what is for us when we believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Those are the blessings. And Solomon goes on even further in verses 10 to 19. He reminds us of of what happens when we trust in Christ. When wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy soul, discretion shall preserve thee, understanding shall keep thee, to deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh forward things, who leave the path of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the forwardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked, And they forward in their paths to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. So it it goes through all these things here. Um, And none that go unto her return again, neither take they hold of, of the path of life. Solomon is saying here, look, when wisdom entereth your heart and knowledge is pleasant unto thy, unto thy. So when you understand God, when he has saved you, when he has rescued you, he gives you wisdom. He helps you to walk these paths of righteousness. Not that we can do any of this in ourselves. He even protects us from these things. There may be times when we go off in the way of the evil man. There'll be times when we sin and seek to do what is wrong. But if we are in the Lord, if we have believed in Jesus Christ, if we are are securing Christ, he will bring us back from these ways. 
our walk cannot separate us from the love of Christ. If we could lose our faith, if that was a possibility, we'd have lost it the moment after we were saved. But Christ in his goodness keeps us secure in our faith. This is what he has achieved on the cross. And these things are just pleasant to us all that they, they they warm our hearts because we understand that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And he even gives us wisdom to understand what is evil and where the sinful paths lie. He protects us at these moments. And he go when Solomon here speaks of the stranger woman This is the one who seeks to entice us away. This is the one who has forgotten her husband, forgotten God. The one who is, who is absolutely abhorrent and God forsaken. When these people seek to attack, the Lord will protect, protect us. He is our shield. He is our buckler. When we are tempted, if we are in him, he will draw us away. We know when we see We may have even done it ourselves when we have fallen away, when we have gone down a route we know we shouldn't have taken. If we are in the Lord, he will draw us back. You see, what Solomon is here is talking about his son's walk. He's talking about things that will entice him away. The Lord will bless him with, with a knowledge of right and wrong to help steer him. But when those moments come where he may trip, where he may stumble, the Lord will bring him back. And he shows him this in the last few verses. He shows his son in verse <clears throat> verse 20 to 22. That thou mayest walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright shall dwell in the land and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. What we have here is Solomon reminding his son that the way of the righteous, those that have their faith in their God, in in our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, they will remain in the land. That is speaking of, of heaven. And the perfect shall remain in it. This is a picture of heaven. We will be with Christ forever in heaven. Not because of what we've done. Not of because of the path we have walked. But because of the grace of God. Because of the gospel that we trust in. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth. And the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. He's reminding his son again. Look, trust in the Lord. And this will lead to righteousness. This will lead to you being in heaven. Clothed by Christ If you reject this, you'll be in the way of the wicked. So all of Proverbs 2 hinges here on the gospel. It all points to security in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Saviour. It's not about law. If we read it and say, this is what I must do, do and do in order for salvation, in order to keep my faith. We have lost the complete picture of what Solomon is pointing his son towards here. He's saying to his son, you have forsaken my commandments. You have not kept my commandments. Trust in the Lord and he will lead you in the right way. He will protect you. He will save you.
And again, we see that the result of this, when our faith is in Jesus Christ, when we have been given that gift of faith, we will dwell securely. Nothing will separate us from from Christ. So for those who have, have, have not their faith in Jesus Christ, the result will be that they are cut off. They'll be rooted out. There will be judgment. And for any anyone who doesn't believe in Jesus Christ, I will point you back to what Solomon spoke to his son. Cry out. Go to Christ. Turn to him with every part of your being. Seek him. Call to him. Ask for wisdom and understanding. Repent and turn to Christ. But brothers and sisters, for those of us who have been blessed with faith, not of our own doing, but that is which is a, a gift of God. We can rejoice knowing we are safe, we are secure. We have that gift of faith and we have salvation in Jesus Christ. We are under the care of the Good Shepherd. He is the one that leads us. He is the one that protects us. He is our shield. And clearly when we see the scriptures, he cares for his sheep. He was willing to give his life for his sheep. What a wonderful shepherd we have. And this is the one that Solomon here is pointing towards. He's calling his son, saying, look, turn to the Lord. You will be secure in him. Amen.